This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM. Hey, good Saturday morning to you. Welcome into Kansas Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker, 1480 KQAM. Hey, great to have you along for the ride today, making it happen, doing thing like we do every single weekend, trying to get you up and moving for another weekend. It is great to have you. And boy, do we have a lot to talk about. Obviously, a lot of things going on the last couple of days. I want to get your thoughts on that and a heck of a lot more. Big show lined up today. As usual, bottom of the hour today, we have we are going across the border. If you know what I mean, we're going to have uh, the uh, current governor for the great state of Oklahoma, Governor Kevin Stitt, on with us live at the bottom of the hour. He's going to talk about the latest decision yesterday regarding the Supreme Court's decision of reversing Roe v. Wade. So we'll get into that here a little bit. Uh, And I want to talk about that in just a minute as well. And open up lines to you at 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK. But we'll talk about that with Governor Kevin Stitt from the state of Oklahoma here in just a little bit. Uh, top of hour number two, right? Uh, we'll bring it back here to the local area. Ryan Beatty, candidate for Cedric County Commission. He'll be joining us in studio for a little bit to talk about the Cedric County election race uh, going into the November midterms. Obviously, you know, like the biggest thing since sliced bread. So we'll get into that in a little bit. And bottom of next hour, we're going to go back down across the border to Oklahoma to talk to Wade Burleson. He's a candidate for the congressional district number three against the incumbent that's uh, that we've had on the program many times before, Congressman Frank Lucas from the 3rd District. So he's the primary challenger on the Republican side, and we'll talk with Wade Burleson coming up at the bottom of next hour, wrapping up the program. So a lot to get to, a lot to talk about, and I want to get your thoughts at 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK. Hold, hold on here. Hold on, my... Uh microphone's loose uh see again you need to have a union member during a unionized uh, radio station to actually come in and fix that i just did it all by myself because i'm a big kid because well, that's what <laughs> that's what we do on this program we're able to fix things by ourselves because by golly we did it we did it we did it Yay! yeah what can i say well you know sometimes those union members we just gotta we gotta let somebody else do it because then we're just treading on their territory welcome into the program all presented by phil's coins 9344 west central avenue buying selling and trading with honesty and integrity for all your gold and silver needs he's about one of the only guys not just in the community but in the entire state and the mid-america region that has gold or silver on hand because of the crazy high demand it's going on right now. Phil's Coins, 9344 West Central Avenue. They're opening up in about 20 minutes from now and then uh, closing at 2.30 this afternoon. You can also visit them online at philscoins.com. Let's talk about a baby big issue that happened yesterday with the Supreme Court, really the last two days. For those that don't know, Thursday, the U.S. Supreme Court has come out with a statement uh, saying that they have ruled against the state of New York and other states across the nation that say that not only do you have to apply for a concealed carry permit in order to carry a concealed carry, but you also have to submit a written defense on a justification for why you have to concealed carry in public, which New York and other states have had, and the U.S. Supreme Court has shut that down, saying that you do have the right to concealed carry for self-defense purposes, period, end of story. You get your concealed carry, and that's about it. That's all you have to do. You don't have to try and justify it any further than that. That was ruling number one on Thursday, and that was a big win for Republicans, conservatives, and 2A advocates across the nation, as many states 
are a little angry about that one. Then we had the major one yesterday with Democrats losing their minds over the reversal of Roe v. Wade, not even banning abortion, which is what some obviously on the conservative end would like to do uh, as we value life, you know, and value the baby in that sense. But that's not even what this decision did. It reverts the decision back down to the state, and we'll talk about the importance of that, especially here in the state of Kansas momentarily, because obviously we're getting ready for a big election with a big value them both bill that we'll talk about throughout as well. So uh, your thoughts on all this that happened in the last couple of days, big wins, and where do we go from here? Uh, it feels good to have a win over the last few days after really a year, a year and a half of not winning. You know, Donald Trump, we're going to win. We're going to win so much. We're going to win so much that we're going to get tired of winning. And that's what we saw for the last four years. <laughs> then we go into the last year and a half, and the Biden administration can't tie his shoes properly, and uh, we're not winning at all as a nation, and things have been really bad. So it feels kind of nice to have a victory under our belts here on two different issues, on both gun issues and life issues, defending both the First and the Second Amendment, being able to value the most precious things. We have a platform that is one that shows that we can value our life by defending our life with a concealed carry permit in states that don't like that. And now we can actually default abortion issues back down to the states where states can work to value the life as well by limiting the amount of abortions that go on in their states. That is a win on both ends that are both for life and both for freedom and both for individual liberty. So well done, guys. Well done. Pat yourself on the back. On the other hand, the Biden administration not too happy about that yesterday. Today, the Supreme Court of the United States expressly took away a constitutional right from the American people that it had already recognized. They didn't limit it. They simply took it away. Not true. Not true. It's never been done to a right so important to so many Americans. But they did it. It's a sad day for the court and for the country. I know that we have some moderates and other people on the other side of the aisle that listen to the program, and I really do want to hear your thoughts on this, on why we believe a lying, lying liar that is Joe Biden and the Democrats right now that are saying that abortion is now banned because it is not banned. It is now deferred to the states. If a state chooses to minimize it or eliminate it in their state, that is their prerogative because the Constitution says nothing about abortion in any way, shape, or form. So why we even had a ruling in the first place back in the 60s and 70s and, and this major issue when it came about all the way back when, that was unconstitutional to begin with because the Supreme Court does not rule on things that is not constitutional for the government to have a say on one way or the other, to either ban it or to allow it. It doesn't say anything. And in fact, I did see an argument yesterday from social media saying, uh, and again, this this is not my personal opinion here. This is not me thinking, you know, my my conservative, you know, faith-based values, family values of wanting to preserve life. I'm not even trying to argue for the uh, ending of abortion in this case. I'm strictly just saying the Constitution didn't allow the government to say anything about abortion, so it goes back to the states. Now at the statewide level, as the pro-life individuals that we are, that the majority of us are, that listen to this program, we get to continue to try and fight for the value of life at a state level where we have a louder voice. Those on the other side of the aisle that support abortion, they get to have a louder voice as well to fight for it at their statewide level to try and make an impact on the issue. And there will be some states that ban it, and there will be some states that do not ban it. But abortion overall nationwide is not banned because of the, because of the reversal of Roe v. Wade. So the hyper 
symbolic, emotional over-exaggeration of this thing yesterday with people losing their minds. You have Joe Biden saying that people's human constitutional rights are gone and eliminated. You have Nancy Pelosi that's advocating for riots and protests. You have Maxine Waters that's right, that's advocating for protests and mass uh, anarchy in the streets. You have AOC that says we essentially need an underground railroad of opening up our doors and homes to allow people to pass through as they're trying to do this underground railroad to pass into another state with accessibility for abortion rights. Like you would think that this is just a normal thing for so oh, I got pregnant because I need to get an abortion. Well, I guess I better get into the underground railroad. Someone's going to let me in in their home across state lines so that way I can continue to pass through because I am a victim and an oppressed member of society. Like that's where we're at today. This is insane. I never thought I'd get to this point, but here we are watching the lunacy of the left side of the aisle. This is why the value them both bill here in Kansas is probably one of the most important bills that we're going to see in a very long time. For those that don't know, the Kansas Supreme Court just a couple of years ago ended up saying that that abortion was a constitutional constitutionally protected right here in Kansas when that's obviously just not true, but they said it was. So we could either do what the Democrats are doing at the statewide level and protest and go out there with signs and just do nothing and just complain about it and yell about it and scream about it, how we're victims because, you know, we're allowing this to happen, or we can do something about it, which is what we're doing. Kansans for life. And every pro-life individual across the state of Kansas has put together this bill that's going to be a constitutional amendment on the Kansas state constitution to say no it's not a constitutional right to have an abortion and the restrictions that we have on abortion in the state of kansas are protected and we are allowed to have those protections in there i don't think as far as i'm aware and i could be wrong on this but i don't think that the bill and the restrictions that we have completely ban abortion in the state of kansas it's just a restriction to make sure that it's tightly regulated to where it's not just any you know any choice just because there's not a health issue or not something crazy going on, but it's just because I feel like I don't want it, so I'm going to go and end it. I'm pretty sure the restrictions just say you're not allowed to do that. I don't think it bans it out completely. It just allows the protections and the restrictions on the industry as a whole in the state of Kansas. That's all we're saying, that we have the right to impose those restrictions on the industry. We're not banning it outright. Now in time, that may happen. And I'm sure that some want that to happen, and I would support that as well uh, to move down that road little by little. But right now, we're taking chips away. The first big step is to counter what the Supreme Court said in the state of Kansas to say, no, it is not a constitutionally protected right to try and eliminate all those restrictions on the industry. That's how you fix the issues. More power at the statewide level, and now the federal government can't come in and be like, oh, sorry, you're not allowed to do that because it's protected at the federal level. This opened up the opportunity for every sovereign state to make the decisions they need to make at their own individual level based on their own individual needs, since every state is vastly different from every other state. I don't know why that's such a bad thing. It doesn't make any sense to me. But the uh, I, I mean, it makes sense to me on the other side of the aisle because they don't like individualism. They like the collective. So therefore, when they want something, everybody needs to go along with it or else we're just the most horrible human, per, uh, human on the face of the earth. So they realize that they're outnumbered. They realize this is an unpopular topic. They don't like to have those debates at the local level where they're going to lose. They want the utopian from the centralized government to force it to be allowed all over the place because how dare someone actually believe differently than them. 
that's their problem. They realize that if it comes down to these local issues in the local communities all over the country, they're going to lose horribly, except for minus maybe some larger populated cities across the nation. That's about it. That's about it. Your thoughts on this, 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK. I'd love to get your thoughts on uh, the bill. Does this enhance the importance of the value them both bill here in the state of Kansas? Are we, again, like usual, the leading example of what's going on across the nation? And are we going to be that beacon of light? Oklahoma is already working on it as well, which is why in about 10 minutes we're going to talk with the uh, Oklahoma governor, Kevin Stitt, to talk about what they're doing in Oklahoma because they, they already had this in place. They are already prepared. We're a little late here in Kansas, but we're moving in the right direction as well. So good stuff happening, big stuff happening. But get ready because Democrats are now having a new major platform going into the midterms. Is that going to rally their base? And should we be concerned going into election time when right now we're up in the polls? Is this going to change that dynamic? I'd love to get your thoughts on that one here in just a little bit. So we got a lot to talk about today. Also, I want to get into the gun bill as well, just a little bit on what that actually means and what we can do here in Kansas and other states around the surrounding areas as well to try and uh, secure the gun rights. Because just this morning, as I was driving in, we saw Joe Biden sign the gun bill that was passed by Congress this week that allows the red flag laws. That's a bit of a danger as well, so we'll talk about that here in a bit, too. It's Kansas Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. Stay here. past the hour welcome back into wichita's big talker kqam kansas talk great to have you along for a saturday morning here by the way i have some more we're going to find a way to give some more of this stuff away but i have uh, in my hands right now i have some more bottles of some great different types of barbecue sauce to give away to some listeners because it is summertime we're going into the fourth of july can you believe it's fourth of july celebration just a week and a half away two weeks away that is insane I guess only a week away right now, right? I guess we're getting the end of the June. Yeah, we got one more week officially before the 4th of July weekend. That's insane. We will not be live next week because of the 4th of July celebration, which means I need to start preparing for that one. I was not aware that was coming up so quickly. We are halfway through the year of 2022. That should be a mind blower for everyone. Can we survive until the elections coming up in just four or five months from now? That's going to be the time. But I have some barbecue sauce we'll try and give away later on today. So that way... You have some goodies to try and grill and enjoy for the 4th of July celebration next weekend. So stay tuned in for that one. 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK. Your thoughts. I know that the abortion issue is a difficult one to talk about because you're not going to change anybody's minds on the issue. It's a very personal issue, obviously. And it's one that's very emotional, that ties into values and morals, that ties into religious belief, that ties in to a lot of very, a lot of really deep things that people don't like to talk about. It's not just a normal political topical issue. So I usually don't bring it up a whole lot on the program because you're not going to win anybody over. It's not like you're going to uh, make people have the light bulb come on and go, aha, I get it now. You either support it or you don't support it. You either value life or you don't value life. And there's really not a whole lot of in-between there. 
So that's the challenge that I think we have with this issue, and I understand that. So I try to not bring it up a whole terribly lot, and I'm not going to bring up whether abortion is good or bad. You know my stance on it. I don't believe in abortion. I value life, and I value every human being. And that's just it. That's just the way I believe, and there's nothing wrong with that. So I don't go down that road to essentially uh, to, to argue that point. But the decision that came out yesterday from the U.S. Supreme Court really is a different take on it of, hey, this isn't even about whether it's allowed or not allowed. It's just saying we don't have the right to make a decision at that federal level, so the states, you're going to do your own thing. And I don't believe that that's a bad thing because, as we've seen, the centralized power from the federal government pretty much ruins everything. Can we agree with that? I, I know it's a trigger for the other side. I know. I know. Uh, so, yes. Bringing it back down to the statewide levels, now we can have our own voice. And some states that choose to get rid of it can get rid of it. And states that don't want to get rid of it don't have to get rid of it. But you're not – I've been seeing these memes all over social media that have been driving me nuts about uh, – anybody's show of hands have seen the show The Handmaid's Tale? Yeah, we're going to break that down a little bit later and show why that's a load of crap and why that's nothing more than just a hyperbole, over-exaggerated emotional response from those who feel like they've lost their entire identity uh, because abortion is not protected at the, at the federal level. Uh, that's not true in any way, shape, or form, but that's the level that they're taking it, which can be a very dangerous position, by the way. Because if you have seen that show, that essentially means that we live in a crazy fascist utopian society to where we need a revolution to overthrow the entire government. That's what that show essentially encourages in this really weird warped world that they live in. And that's how people are trying to relate to the current issues of what's going on with women today. So be aware. Because we're already starting to see riots and violence. There was a video I saw this morning of violence going on in L.A., I believe it was, where some individuals were getting arrested for trying to bomb a police station or trying to start it on fire, at least. And uh, the riots have already begun. It's probably going to go uh, work its way through the rest of the weekend as well and into next week with individuals that are causing some havoc. I do find it quite ironic that we have... The other side of the aisle that's been investigating a, and I use this in air quotes for my radio listeners, a quote-unquote um, insurrection from the Trump administration and from the quote-unquote MAGA supporters on January 6th. They're investigating that because how dare we try to, you know, make a voice heard and for those that tried to storm the Capitol. But now we have the burning down of cities all over again that's totally and completely justified from the other side of the aisle. Yeah doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me either i know i know but they usually don't so where do we go from here now we have two big wins over the last two days between guns and between the abortion issue coming back down to the states now states can make their own decisions except for the gun thing the other side of the aisle can't really pass a whole lot of gun legislation and gun restrictions because well th it's unconstitutional and the supreme court just came out with that one especially trying to justify uh needing to justify yourself to be able to conceal carry in public and that's a big hit from the Democrats, who, by the way, just signed this morning as I was coming in. The Biden administration signed their bill that allows the expansion of red flag laws across the nation. That's the next battle that we have to have. But conservatives, individuals with family values, the moral values, those were big wins for the last two days. Now let's prepare for the shockwave that comes through the Democrat Party that's losing platform issue by platform issue who's already down in the polls and are starting to get a little panicky because they don't know how else to respond is this going to rally their base into the election or is that minority 
percent of the population already speaking out and it's not going to grow that base a whole lot more especially when they take things to the next level with their emotional responses kind of an interesting take when we come back right around the corner oklahoma governor kevin stitt he'll be with us live to talk about what's going on in oklahoma the response to this decision from the last couple of days from the u.s supreme court and a heck of a lot more we'll get into all that and more for a saturday right here on wichita's big talker kqam and beyond all over the state of kansas and oklahoma stay right here Saturday morning. Welcome back into the program. Hey, there we go. You know, engineering on the fly. Welcome back into the program. Great to have you along for a Saturday morning, getting you up and moving for another weekend like we do every single Saturday. We are all over the place, all across the state of Kansas here, Oklahoma as well, with our big uh, blowtorch station, KGYN, out of the panhandle in the western portion of Oklahoma. Coming up, hour number two. We're going to go local here in the Wichita area, talk with candidate for Cedric County Commission. Bottom of next hour at 1030, we're going back down uh, the border to uh, the great state of Oklahoma and candidate Wade Burleson, candidate for the third congressional district for the state of Oklahoma. So we uh, love bouncing back and forth. And speaking of, right on the phone with us right now to talk about all the great stuff happening across the nation and in the great state of Oklahoma. Excited to have on the program. He is the great governor for the state of Oklahoma, Governor Kevin Stick. Governor, how are you, my friend? Oh, doing great. How are you guys doing this morning? Oh, it is a great time. I tell you what, we've had two days in a row back-to-back, which feels really good during the Biden administration when we don't get a whole lot of wins, <laughs> per se, Then we've been struggling <laughs> for the last year and a half. Now we have a Thursday ruling from the Supreme Court uh, defending concealed carry permits and the right to be able to carry in public for self-defense. And then yesterday, that makes the other side of the aisle lose their minds bringing uh, the abortion issue back down to the state level for states to make their own decisions. These are major wins for us, isn't it? Oh, I mean, it is uh, big-time wins for us, for the good guys, for the Constitution, for the rule of law. And we just couldn't be more excited in the state of Oklahoma. Um, You know, you don't put your Constitution in the attic. You don't delete sections of your Constitution just because of some political whim or somebody in the White House. Uh, seems to disagree with it. So I'm glad the Supreme Court is uh, interpreting it correctly. These are states' issues. These are constitutional rights. Uh, And, you know, on the abortion issue, that's a states' rights issue. And the left is losing their mind because uh, they think that that's that's, uh, banning abortion. All it's doing is putting that back where it belongs with the states or the people. And every single state's going to do things differently. I'm proud to be called the most pro-life governor in the country because in Oklahoma, we don't want abortions in our state. Colorado, um, they just passed abortion on demand all the way up till birth. And we just find that, you know, just really sick in Oklahoma. They're more aligned with North Korea, China, even France bans abortion at 14 weeks. And Colorado wants to go all the way up until uh, until birth. And it's just it's just ludicrous. 
It is ludicrous, but it really does show the the idea that every state had its own individual needs to where, like you said, Kansas and Oklahoma, I mean, we're more pro-life states, and we've worked on this, and you've worked on this for a really long time. And states like Colorado and California have a completely different perspective. You can't have these blanket decisions at the federal level and expect everybody to be happy because that just doesn't work. Every state is unique with its own needs and demands, and I'm proud of the direction that Oklahoma and Kansas is going. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, that's the way our founders, uh, you know, designed it. Is there's there's 50 states, and, and uh, you know, they said whatever's not specifically given to the federal government belongs to the states or the people. That's exactly what it should be. Nine unelected uh, jurists in Washington D.C. should not make a decision for every single American. And so uh, we applaud the the Supreme Court to push it down to the states. And now the states get to have honest discussions about you know what their citizens when they think life begins and how to protect and love the mother and the child. Oklahoma, we just happen to happen to believe that life begins at conception. Other states might say six weeks or 14 weeks or 12. Uh, but we can all agree it's not right before birth, like Colorado is trying to say <laughs> and, and California in some of these crazy, crazy states. Yeah, that takes things to another level there. That's insane. For those that don't know, talk about, because like you said, you have been working on the abortion issue and the pro-life issue for a really long time in the state of Oklahoma. What are the laws in Oklahoma when it comes to abortion? And now that we have more power and more say at the statewide levels, what's that going to be able to do for the state of Oklahoma? Well, I, you know, I, I obviously I've been working on it, but I've got to give a shout out to our attorney general. He's fantastic. His name's John O'Connor, and uh, he's really been leading the charge, fighting back. Uh, against these uh, um, these overreach of the federal government, so I got to give him a shout out. Uh, but in Oklahoma, we passed a law, and then O'Connor certified it uh, yesterday that basically says that uh, at conception we're going to ban abortion. So my health department, I met with them yesterday, and they've canceled the licenses for the four abortion clinics in Oklahoma. So we've effectively stopped abortion in Oklahoma. Um, we're proud of that. We think that's the right thing to do. And, but we recognize other states are going to do things differently, and you're already hearing about other states. Uh, they want to fly people uh, to their state to, to do abortion. And, um, you know, that's, that's, that's kind of the way our system's set up. But, but I'm going to stand for life in Oklahoma. Amen to that. We're working on that in Kansas. I know that our Kansas Supreme Court came out just a year or two ago and said that that abortion was a constitutionally protected right in the state, which blew my mind. But now we have a value for life, uh, value them both bill that it's essentially counters that, makes it a constitutional amendment, and then allows the restrictions on abortion in the state that, that we've tried to implement. So I think we could take some examples of what you guys have done down there and try to implement it up here because I think that's vastly needed. We encourage all states to kind of follow our lead. And, uh, you know, people have been, uh, you know, praying for this decision for 50 years. We believe that God has uniquely designed every single person. We have a biblical worldview in Oklahoma. And, uh, you know, again, there, there's crisis pregnancy. So we've been investing in, in adoption services and, mm-hmm. and helping, uh, helping women, um, you know, uh, because there are people that find themselves in a situation where uh, we need to have churches step up and help folks. And so, but we think we can love the mother and the child in Oklahoma. Amen. I'm glad you mentioned that because that was going to be my next question is now that that is going away for many states that weren't able to do that in the past. I mean, what type of resources are there and what can we do? Because obviously defending life is the most important thing. Let's take it to the next level, whether it's education to make sure that we don't get pregnant early or we have harsher laws for those that try to do create rape or incest in that way, shape or form. Opportunities for uh, adoption and foster care programs and education at that level. I mean, those are all important when we go down this road, isn't it? 
Uh, absolutely. And, and we've been trying to engage the churches, the nonprofit. Uh, I put uh, $3 million this past year into a, the Child Childbirth Act uh, just to kind of help with the services and the needs of crisis pregnancies. Uh, but it's important that uh, we get the churches, nonprofits involved, because I tell people all the time, you know, passing laws in, in Oklahoma City or at our state capitals, um, you know, you know, it, it still does not solve some of the social issues that we have in our country. And that takes neighbors being neighbors. That takes uh, education. That takes, uh, I believe, teaching right from wrong and and uh, injecting values into our school system. And and right now there's a there's a battle for our country. There's a battle for, um, you know, our way of life and our values. And I think some folks are trying to tear that down. They're trying. I mean, that, the left can't even define what a woman is right now. And we just find that very, very strange in the state of Oklahoma. I mean, I, I, my favorite bill I signed this year was the Save Women in Sports bill. And it's so common sense to us that we're not going to let biological boys play uh, in girls' athletics. And, you know, the Washington Post, again, they lose their mind. They, they call me and they say, you signed this controversial bill. And I'm like, well, listen, it's not very controversial in Oklahoma. We know the difference between a boy and a girl in Oklahoma. I don't know what's wrong with you guys in Washington. Yeah. Amen to that. I think you hit the nail right on the head is that we can't we can't regulate and use government to regulate either on either side of the aisle. We can't regulate our way out of these issues. It comes back down to the family values, having this family dinner at the dinner table and talking about the issues, having the American values, the traditional values that uh, allowed us to not be confused about genders in some way, shape or form. We're talking with Oklahoma Governor Kevin Stitt uh, from the great state of Oklahoma. Let's shift gears for a minute and talk about the two A issue uh, with the case. Uh, opinion that came out of the Supreme Court as well on Thursday that countered the New York state law that said not only do you have to apply for a concealed carry permit in the state, but you also need to go to the courts and try and defend the case on why you are justified to carry a concealed weapon in public for self-defense if there's a stalker, if you've been harassed or something, and you have to have justifiable evidence on why you need to do so. That's been shot down, not just in New York now, but across the nation, saying that you don't have to justify that we have a constitutional right to carry a concealed weapon in public for self-defense. That, again, seems like some common sense that I know that Candace is strong on this. Oklahoma, you guys have been strong on this issue for a while, too, aren't you? Yeah, you know, the first the first bill I ever signed when I became governor in 2019, and it's literally the only bill that I have in my home office framed on the wall, was was the constitutional carry law. And it, again, it's common sense to us. This is exactly what the Bill of Rights are for. This is what our Constitution's for. Uh, because it is a protection from a from a from a federal overreach government or a political whim uh, or the elite trying to come into Americans and take your rights away. This is just a perfect example of why we have these protections. You can't delete sections of the Constitution just because of a political whim or what, or the way the winds move and, and somebody in Washington, D.C. decides that that's best for uh, their city or their state uh, or their community, what, whatever the case is. And so that's why we're so such a staunch supporter of that. Uh, at the same time, you know, I, I signed an executive order uh, to reassess all of our police training to make sure that we have the latest up-to-date training. Um, you know, we believe that the, the best defense of a bad guy with a gun is a, is a good guy with a gun. And evil comes in all all forms and all shapes. I mean, Oklahoma, if you remember April 19th, 1995, when Governor Keating had my position, pure evil happened in Oklahoma City. And a, and a, and a guy with a, 
with a U-Haul truck blew up and killed 17 kids in a daycare and 168 total people. And so we know what pure evil looks like, and we need to address that. Uh, but it, it, it doesn't. It, it's not about taking away your constitutional rights. This is ridiculous. Yeah, amen to that. Taking away the constitutional right only prohibits you can't regulate yourself out of evil that's in society. You can only try and teach people what is actually right and what is good. We got just a couple of minutes with you left here, Governor uh, Governor Kevin Stitt from the state of Oklahoma. You can find him online, stittforgovernor.com as well. How else? Uh, other things going on in Oklahoma real quickly. Inflation. I know you and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago as well, but with the inflation rate, with the high gas prices, you guys still surviving? Everything all right down there? You know, we, we are. I've called the legislature back for a special session. I'm trying to uh, do real reflation, inflation relief right now. I want to cut taxes a quarter of a point. I cut taxes last year for Oklahomans, but also want to get rid of the grocery tax. We're one of only 13 states that taxes groceries. And if you think about it, that is such a regressive tax, and real people are hurting right now at the gas pump, at the grocery store, so trying to get that across the finish line for Oklahomans. And, but really, this all comes back to the Biden administration's energy policy. You know, they choke off supply. They kill the Keystone Pipeline. They make it impossible to drill. But then they wonder why the price at the pump goes up and the price at the grocery store. And it's just ludicrous. It's not common sense. It makes no sense to us as Oklahomans. Yeah. Amen to that. You guys are rocking it down there. I am so proud to live in Candace and Oklahoma and see everything that's going on in the heartland here where common sense still tries to prevail on a semi-regular basis. It's Governor Kevin Stitt from the state of Oklahoma. Stittforgovernor.com. I love chatting with you, my friend. Good luck on the campaign trail. Let's talk again here real soon. Hey, the last thing I'll tell you is uh, education. That's a huge point. Mm. We want to get education reform and give parents more options and fund students, not systems. And I can't brag on Ryan Walters enough. He's my, uh, he's my secretary of education, and he's just leading the charge. And so I uh, love that guy. I just If we can get him across the finish line, we believe that we can get more school choice, more parents' options in Oklahoma. Well, you guys, uh, real quickly, yeah, you guys have been doing great on that issue for sure. I know you had some battles with some administrators, the administrative state, and some of the teachers' unions, but you guys have really worked hard to make sure the education system's running smoothly. And you guys have made a lot of grounds on that front. Yeah, we, we think we believe so. And, and uh, just a few more little tweaks. Other states, Arizona just passed something to fund some students. Uh, but, you know, we need to get that across the finish line in Oklahoma. I believe Ryan Walters can do it. Amen to that. Governor, uh, Governor Stitt, I always appreciate the time, my friend. Let's talk again real soon. Okay, thank you so much. Hey, talk to you soon. Always, Bye. yeah, always a pleasure there. That's Governor Kevin Stitt from the great state of Oklahoma. Love it. Brent, coming on live on a Saturday morning to talk to us about the issues that happened just the last couple of days. We appreciate that. I miss the times where I could reach out to a governor and actually have access to them to talk about the issues. Too bad Governor Kelly has yet to come on this program in the four years that she's been governor. Oh my, did I just say that out loud? I'm sorry. Seems like one of our U.S. senators from the state of Kansas as well. Oh, zing. There it is. All right, got to take a break. <laughs> I'm going to get heat for that one. I know it. That's all right. We'll take a break. Wrap up hour number one right here on Kansas Talk, right here on Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. Stay here.
We're talking with the AARP, whether it's the Fraud Watch Network, Retirement Calculator, getting involved in the community. Make sure to check them out online at aarp.org slash ks for the state of Kansas. Also find them and follow them on their social media as well. Glenda's back on the line with us again today. Glenda, how are you? I am doing well, Andy. Thank you so much. Yeah, yes. always good to chat with you. We talk a lot about the Fraud Watch Network and scams that are going on in the communities. One of them that we haven't talked a whole lot about are ones that may be working on your home. Obviously, it's spring and summertime. People are wanting to do some upgrades to their home. What do we need to be aware of this year when it comes to individuals that may take advantage of us if we try and uh, hire a, uh, a fixer-upper around the house? Exactly, a fixer-upper. Or we have some dubious contractors out there who will um, come to your door and, and knock on your door, especially after a bad storm. You know, we've had some storms pass through, so uh, and if it causes damage, we might have contractors who are scammers that will come to your door and say that they're working in the area and they notice that your house or your home had a problem and they would like to fix it for you. Um, they may say that they have extra materials you know, that they can also just go right, right ahead and do it and use those materials on your project. They might also say that you do it to, today and today's the best rate. You know, it's not this rate won't be available tomorrow. So at uh, the end, they could even ask you to make a payment up front. So that's how they work. They just really get you uh, into the mode of thinking that it's something that needs to be done and needs to be done right away. Yeah, that is scary, especially like you mentioned, the ones where they say, well, this needs to be done, and I happen to have miraculously just the spare parts laying around for me to do it, so I just need an upfront payment and I'll take care of it. That's a That should be a big red flag, I think, for most people. That in itself should absolutely be a red flag because we want to always know that, you know, because of a uh, storm or whatever has happened, that's a great opportunity for them. And to know that those are just pressure tactics and uh, you don't really want to do that. You want to be able to get two to three bids if you're wanting to have something done. So that way you'll know what your options are. So they, you don't really want to take it, let them take advantage of you, you know, when they're doing that. And if you have, even if your house has been damaged and they are, you know, they can see the damage, and you have insurance to be, um, that the insurance will pay for it, it's still not a good idea to go uh, with them because uh, they can ask you for the payment or even ask you for cash up front. So it's still not a uh, good way to do that. So you should know those things so that you won't get caught in that trap with them. Yeah, that is good. Uh, talk about some of the tips to try to avoid some of that, as you just mentioned, with some of the payments, but uh, calling a reputable business, making sure yes. that you contact them instead of them contacting you. But talk about some of those preventative measures. Yes, yes. And taking, you know, uh, references, word of mouth is really still one of the best ways for referrals. If someone in your neighborhood has had someone do their work and, and they refer you, that's, you know, that's that's different also. But you really should just take a, a minute and think about what are your options? What, how do you really want to go about it? And also what you should do is whomever you're, you're working with, make sure you get a, a uh, written contract and you do that every time. And you will most likely be asked to uh, pay up front, you know, give some deposit up front, but that's usually no more than a third or half down, so at least a third. And so if they ask for more than that, you know, be aware of that. So, um, and you, when you do that, also when you pay them, 
don't use cash. You, know, you can use your credit card or write a check or even, you know, some companies, reputable companies, have financing available for you. So those are some things that you should really know about uh, the scammers and how you can protect yourself from a fraud and from a scam. That is very scary because already home improvement projects, whether it's getting a new roof or working on your siding or whatever it may be, uh, is already expensive as it is. I can only imagine how much money has been yes. lost due to scammers with home renovations. Yes, and it's continually going up. So, yes. We definitely have to be aware of it. And that's why AARP is really, you know, we make it uh, our priority to give and share the power of the knowledge about these scams so that it will give our consumers and our members uh, and the public, you know, just knowledge about it so that they won't be scammed. Exactly. And they're able to spot that scam and stop it. Exactly. Yeah. We got just about a minute left here, but talk about what else is going on with the AARP, with some of the virtual events that you have, some of the concerts and webinars. What else is going on with you guys? Yes, we do have a uh, web, a uh, still have our virtual co concerts coming up uh, on the um, fourth Friday of well, now would be the second Friday of the month, and we still have uh, our virtual classes that are at aarp.org that one can go on and join in. So there's still lots of good things, and we still will have our coffee chats. We'll be getting that out because we're going to change our time on those. We won't have them every week, uh, but we will have them only on the first Wednesday of every month uh, starting in July. So we'll be making some changes with that, but we will certainly still be keeping our Kansans um, just as informed as possible and engage with AARP. And by going to our website, you know, our Facebook page, those are still places that they can connect with us. Sure. Always ways to stay engaged. It's the aarp.org slash KS for the state of Kansas. Also find them and follow them on social media as well. Glenda, it's always good to talk with you. Let's do it again next week. There it is. That's the AARP, hour number two, right around the corner here for Kansas Talk, right here on Wichita's Big Talker KQAM. Stay here. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM. Welcome back into the program. It's hour number two of Kansas Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker, 1480 KQAM. Hey, thanks for hanging out with us today, trying to get you up and moving for another weekend. As we always do, try and at least start your week on a positive note to some degree. Usually, though, it's angry talk today. We're a little bit happier celebrating things that are going on. Thanks again to Governor Kevin Stick coming on the program. So I got their email from his communications manager last night at about 6 o'clock after the, the decision from the U.S. Supreme Court bringing the abortion issue back down to the states. They emailed me and said, hey, any chance you want to talk to the governor first thing tomorrow morning? And I said, hey, show's live. Let's bring him on live. And they did it. It's awesome. The fact that uh, we can talk to the Oklahoma governor as we do airport to this program down on our big station down in KGYN, down in Guymon, Oklahoma, in the panhandle of Oklahoma and Texas area. And uh, what's speaking of bottom this hour, we're going to talk with Wade Burleson, candidate for the third congressional district of Oklahoma as well. We talk with Congressman Frank Lucas from that area as well. So really involved with the Oklahoma politics. I've spoken at the OK2A events. The OK2A president, Don, uh, Don Spencer, came on a couple of weeks ago. So really involved. Uniting Mid-America. That's what we're doing here on this show. And it's awesome. So welcome back into it. All presented by Phil's Coins, 9344 West Central Avenue. Buying, selling, and trading with honesty and integrity. Make sure to visit them online at philscoins.com. They're also open right now until 2.30 this afternoon as well. As we talk about election season, let's shift gears a little bit and go into it. It's time to meet the candidate. The government works for us, not the other way around. 
Elections 2022. Elections. Tw- you like that new sounder? Yeah. You know, we keep it edgy on this program. I get some calls. Well, Andy, why is the music so angry all the time? It's because we got to pump you up. That's what we do. And Canada in studio with us here for Sedgwick County Commission, Mr. Ryan Beatty. Ryan, how are you, brother? Good, Andy. Thanks for having me. We can talk shop today. There's a lot to lot to chat about. There's a lot to talk about. First off, I am excited, so excited that you are running for Sedgwick County Commission. I remember when I first moved to Wichita here, it was such a conservative commission. We had Richard Ranzal, we had Carl Peter John, we had Jim Howell, we even had Michael O'Donnell for a while on there. I mean, we had a solid commission. Things have changed a little bit over the last years, and we were just talking off the air, the drastic shift from the Richard Ranzal seat to Lacey Cruz, the most progressive. I mean, that's our local AOC is what I like to call her. Um, but you're running up against her and maybe bringing back some common sense a little bit. Yeah, I think common sense is probably the more accurate depiction of what we're trying to accomplish here is, uh, you know, when it really comes into purview with, with myself and Commissioner Cruz, it, it's, it really is just a difference of worldview Sure. in a lot of ways, a worldview, particularly in, in the role of government. Yeah. And the proper role of government. Uh, and we're seeing this play out, obviously, with yesterday's decision with Supreme Court on a national level. Mm-hmm. We see this conversation about the proper role of government at the state level. Uh, but but we also see this locally. And, and we just went through two years uh, here uh, in Sedgwick County and in Wichita, the state of Kansas, uh, of, of this conversation of what is the effective and most proper role of government. And, and this is the big uh, contrast between myself and Commissioner Cruz. That is very true. I think that really woke up a lot of people about the importance of local government, didn't yeah. it? With COVID for the last two years, we had the mask mandates for schools. We had the city council that was going after. We had the county commission that was going after with these lockdowns of businesses and mask mandates and all this other stuff, uh, the social distancing. I mean, it really showed the importance of the local governmental power and local power that uh, that, that elected officials have that we never really focused on before. It was always about what was going on in Washington, D.C. with Trump or Obama or Bush or whoever. And this was the wake-up call, I think. It was certainly a wake-up call. My business, I have, uh, my primary vocation is I own a chain of mattress stores called The Mattress Hub. Mm. Uh, we have, you know, roughly 80 employees, and and we fell on the wrong side of the conversation with essential and non-essential. And I remember we were actually having this conversation with some staff just the other day of what that felt like in in, in March, April of uh, 2020. Sure. Uh, and just the, uh, just the panic. And not just from the, from my side with the company trying to manage and properly steward these things, but from my staff sure. and their families and, and how are we going to pay the bills? And, and we saw the debacle with the state in regards to unemployment benefits and how difficult that was. And, and, and when you think back, that wasn't that, that, that long ago, but when we really think about what we allowed local government and state government to do to really tell us that we are unessential and we can't work, right. we can't mitigate our own risk. We can't manage our own affairs. Uh, to, to uh, even think back and to imagine, we let that happen. That really did happen. And what the result of that has been is, look how many people ran for Board of Education. Look how many people ran for city councils. Look how many people, state legislatures. And, and that was one of the reasons, one of the many reasons why I'm running for county commission. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. I mean, talk about your background a little bit. You mentioned Mattress Hub with your business. Yeah. Uh, but talk about, you know, just being involved in the community and your background a little bit that led you to this point. Yeah, so it, my first vocation, my first job was actually a, a uh, I got a chance to play a kid's game for a living, and I played baseball for a living. Nice. Uh, there you go. I'm a Jayhawk, played at the University of Kansas, okay. and then I had a chance to play with the Tampa, uh, Tampa Bay Rays organization. Wow. I had a good career in college. Good, started off to a great career professionally, and then I, I had an injuries. 
I had a, a football, soccer, hockey type injury. I had multiple concussions in baseball. In which is baseball? How did they get hit by the bat? Uh, too many 97 times? mile per hour fastball <laughs> right underneath my ear, kind of oh changed gosh. the trajectory of my career. Wow. So I had to make a decision and, and, and leave baseball just a couple of years into professional baseball. Went back to Lawrence, uh, went on staff at the Dolan Institute of Politics, okay. uh, and had wonderful experiences there under director Bill Lacey. Uh, and then I met a guy in the mattress industry. Um, and instead of going to law school, which was the plan, I decided to start my own company. Opened up 26 stores across three states in a matter of five years. It was crazy. Sure. Uh, and that's led me into other business interests. We do. Uh, I married into a big cattle family. We have real estate. We do name, image, likeness for Kansas basketball. We manage name, image, likeness program. It's a new college athletics uh, phenomenon that's just come out here in the last year. Sure. Uh, but what shaped me, certainly the business experience has shaped me. The other thing that really shaped me is I was the associate pastor of a church here in West Wichita for, for 12 years. Mm. Uh, and those experiences really have modeled me, shaped me, formed me into what I hope to be an effective public service career. That's amazing. Boy, what a career. What a, what an experience. What a life that yeah, my is. My wife's That's, a saint, isn't she? Uh, uh, hey, absolutely. <laughs> yes. I mean, hey, to go through, I mean, especially I played baseball up until high school. I didn't go any further than that. But baseball is such an amazing sport to be to to experience, especially at that professional level. That's got to be a heck of a story. That's uh, incredible. But it, sports, really, for me, uh, that was one of the things that really helped to mold me uh, as, a, as, a, as a man. You, yeah. You're taught discipline. You're taught uh, uh, what it means to receive instruction. You're taught how to be a good teammate. You're taught how to win. You're taught how to fail. Uh baseball in particular was a really effective training ground for me in business and, yeah. and hopefully in public service. And that's why we're still involved today. I, I told you, I just left my kid's eight-year-old baseball game to come here. That's amazing. Uh, but again, we believe wholeheartedly in youth sports and being good advocates for those things. Yeah. Talk about your business, especially, and how it was affected by COVID, the shutdowns, the the lockdowns, the non-essential, essential businesses and workers and everything like that. I mean, obviously it took a hit on every industry, yeah. but uh, your business with Mattress Hub, I mean, how did it affect you guys? Yeah. Uh, so... Uh, we learned a lot of lessons about what to do and what not to do. Sure. Uh, you know, when this first came out, I, and I'm willing to give some people some grace and understanding that, hey, we didn't know a whole lot of things at that time in, in, in February, March of, of 2020. And, and when the decisions came out about shutdowns and things of that sort, I just remember the, the guttural reaction I had about uh, just the vulnerability mm -hmm. um, that this is out of my control. Uh, and we wanted to comply, um, <clears throat> not, uh, not, because we agreed with the decision is, is we felt it was important to, uh, uh, to, to be a witness that, hey, listen, we, especially as a believer, we, we wanted to say, hey, we're going to do what we're asked to do for a period of time. Because remember, in that, it was only going to be a couple of weeks. Sure. Remember? Yeah. That was the initial conversation. Seven weeks later, uh, <laughs> we had realized that, uh, that we can't continue this way. And it wasn't as much just the business operations. is unanimously, 80 employees in my company said, boss, we, we we're scared. We, we need help. We, we got to get back to work. We've got to do things right. uh, that this is, we had lost complete control in our economy. And what we're seeing today, Andy, uh, with inflation, with the supply chain issues, work workforce issues, yep. these are direct uh, manifestations of mismanagement in COVID policy. Mm. Um, you cannot shut down a $25 trillion economy. In yeah. some instances for m several months, uh, you cannot shut it down. And then just pour in $3 trillion plus of artificial liquidity and just hope this thing shakes out normally. This is the result. We're reeling from bad COVID management on yeah. a federal level, on a state level, and particularly here on a local level. Mm. When it comes to supply chain issues, uh, I mean, we see the Biden administration that doesn't allow the ports to actually come in, the ships mm. to come in from overseas to be able to unload some of those things. Has that affected you guys as well? It, uh, yeah, we, we yeah. went through probably, uh, I was probably six, seven months of incredible uh, back order supply chain, wow. uh, uh, material shortages, freight issues, 
Uh, I mean, it just disrupted everything in our industry. And, and my industry is just one example of other industries. But but we are feeling this. Sure. Uh, I, I saw uh, some, some data just the other day that the average family in Kansas, working class family in Kansas, is seeing a $420 increase monthly yeah. because of inflation and inflationary cost increases. So uh, that's a car payment. Uh, yeah. That's a rent payment for some people. I mean, this is really really hurting people. Small businesses, those on fixed income or working class. This is tangible. This is painful. And this is because of poor leadership. Yeah, absolutely. Leadership at the local level here in the county commission, you wanting to jump into this race. If you are able to get on that seat, what would you like to do as a county commissioner? Thanks for asking. So one of the reasons I'm running aside from what I felt was an overreach of government is, is we've got to bring proper role of county commission back into purview. Uh, back into check. The core functionality of county government, public safety, public health, public works, uh, what we've seen is a county government that is now out of bandwidth. Um, We are seeing, and we've seen multiple examples of this play out over the last couple of years. So we saw the EMS crisis here locally uh, uh, last year, uh, where people's lives were legitimately in danger because of short response times. Uh, County fire. Uh, We're seeing something now at county fire, which is a house of cards. It's not stable. Uh, It's a structural problem. There's competitive wage problems. There's morale problems. Uh, And then we see detention facilities. A lot of people don't realize we see the crime that's happening in our community today. Uh, It's it's incredible to know that we have 1,600 inmates at our Sedgwick County Jail. Andy, we have 120 plus murder (laughs) suspects in our county jail right now. That's scary. But, But we're down 90 deputies. Yeah. So now they're combining pods and and surveilling video uh, uh, with video surveillance. That, that that's just those issues. And then we have Comcare, uh, which is an entirely different, complex issue. Competitive wages and lack of those have created an exodus over the years. Bigger issue though is is we don't have a pipeline of practitioners, medical health experts, substance abuse experts to fill two hundred full-time vacancies at Comcare. So we are in a position now that I feel like I want to be in the room to help steward and shape the decisions to help get us back to economic health and and structural health at the county. Well, being a business leader, like you said, I mean, being a business owner, that would have an asset and a value to this. I mean, to to imagine with how many individuals, like you said, are in the Cedric County Jail. 1,600, yeah. And yet we don't have people that can actually manage those individuals i mean i've talked to a Sedgwick county uh, sheriff jeff easter multiple times and the fact that it's still an issue all these years later then we just saw this last year about the ems crisis with so many people not being able to be on the ems and and don't have the staff there to where call times could be delayed for individuals calling for actual help this is a serious issue and while we're growing in the tech industry and other industries there we're not bringing in essential workers that actually need to be on the ground. Yeah, yeah, it's wild and it's complex. Listen, let's let's not fool ourselves to think that this happened overnight. Sure. Let's not fool ourselves to say that this is a uh, uh, there's a there's dual answers here. If I do this, if I create this input, I'll get this output. This takes leadership. This takes a worldview that's going to address the issues on an organic, holistic level. Uh, it's going to take more than just competitive wages, and that, and that does matter. Right. It does matter. We have to make adjustments to make sure that our best assets in our county, our people and our service providers, uh, that, 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 that they're competitive and they can make economic decisions to stay and invest here in the community. It's going to take more than that. It's, we're going to be forced to be creative in some of these things now. Yeah. We have got to collaborate better in this community, particularly on mental health and substance abuse, which is squarely in the purview of, of county uh, uh, government. We've got to collaborate with our nonprofit community. We've got to collaborate with with even private business in some of these areas. Trying to staff 200 more full-time employees at Comcare, it's not a practical thing. It's not a realistic thing over the course of this decade. Sure. We've got to get creative and do things. And we've got to look upstream, Andy, and figure out what is causing some of these issues uh, that we're dealing and reeling with today. 
And we've got to have uh, specific plans for addressing them. These are squarely conservative issues. Yeah. And we need squarely conservative leadership to bring creative solutions to the table and not depend on government uh, to fix all these things. That's the reason we're in this uh, this uh, position we are now. Sure. Well, government has a very hard time looking at down the road and actually looking long term. They want the immediate effects of what right. they want right now. Is it a wage issue, do you think, as well, not being able to bring people in? Or some of it. Uh, some bit? of these things. I, and these are things that we're experiencing in the private sector, too. Sure. Um, and 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 so a lot of this is a direct reflection of, of what's taken place with COVID management policy on a federal level and state level uh, with inflation that people do want to have. They do need higher wages to be able to stay competitive economically as, as, as their families are reeling with this crisis. Uh, but there's other ways that, that it's impacted to where we legitimately paid people to stay home, yeah. that people have legitimately left the workforce. So <laughs> it, it is a competitive wage problem. Uh, many in, in county fire in particular, it's 10 to 15 percent less than the private sector, even Wichita uh, in particular, w, uh, uh, Wichita Fire Department, sure. uh, EMS. It's very difficult where people are leaving that field to go into private work. Uh, but it's it's beyond that. That's just one part of the equation exactly. of competitive wages. There's bigger structural things that need to be adjusted. So many big things going on. Let's take a break here real quick. We're talking to Ryan Beatty, candidate for Cedric County Commission. When we come back, we'll talk about more of the platform, what Cedric County Commission can do, getting things back on track here in the community, and make sure that we're prepared for another disaster. I mean, Joe Biden said that we're going to get ready for the next pandemic, right? So let's prepare. What are you saying? Let's do that at the local level. Lots more coming up. Also, if you want to chime in, you can at 316-721-8255. It's Candace Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. Stay here. the program fastest two hours of radio on well radio plus we do have our live stream going on on the facebook page go to facebook.com slash 1480kqam you can find our video feed there leave a comment watch us you can see my ugly mug every day also with our live stream during the week with our national broadcast of the voice of reason that's live from our flagship right here on kqam at 4 p.m every single day and boy, have we had some great guests on that one. Right now, we're hanging out talking about some local issues. Cedric County Commission, District Number 4, Ryan Beatty. Now, Ryan, for those that don't know, where is District 4 in the area here? Yeah, thanks for asking. 105,000 people in District 4. It's downtown Wichita, Douglas North. Okay. Uh, uh, so you have, uh, uh, and then it stretches over to Riverside. On the west side is Mays, all the way up north. So you got Park City, Valley Center, part of Sedgwick. Uh, you have the north end of Wichita, and then it goes all the way over to Oliver on the east border. Okay. Uh, so you got Fairmount, Wichita State Campus, extends out to Woodlawn for a little stretch, but it's wow. a big, very diverse, wonderfully incredible district. That's a wide range, and uh, I know you're traveling all around. What's the response you're getting from people? What are what are kind of the topics that they're wanting to talk to you about, asking you about? What's been kind of the flavor on the street? Yeah, so a wide variety. Uh, when it really comes down to the core things of what we're talking about, it, it really is about the impact of what the shutdowns did mm. and economically what's happening here with inflation. Uh, that, that Everyone, right, left, center, everyone's talking about how painful this inflation is. Sure. And if I have a plan to be able to accomplish some of these things on a local level, again, it's nice to be able to explain role of government and what we can do at the county level. Yeah. But what some people don't talk about a lot is just the role the economic health plays in broader things like like mental health. Yeah. So the second topic we talk frequently about on the campaign trail is mental health, substance abuse, and interesting, and, and how it's really impacting our community. Uh, but but I'm glad it, it's a focal point. It is a focal, and it needs to be a focal yeah. point. Frankly, it really does. But one of the components of mental health is economic health. 
for the vast majority of people that are uh, that are balancing and, and recent data suggests one out of five people in America have a uh, uh, battle with mental health uh, some sort of mental health condition at some point in time uh, in their life sure. uh, and 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 economic health does play into our mental health of a community and we talk about things like property taxes I can talk about property taxes for days <laughs> it's actually one of you know we're gonna have some fun conversations oh, come then. on yeah. bud. yeah uh, I love to but also the what property taxes and what it does to uh, people with fixed income and small businesses sure the signal that property taxes uh, sends to uh, our business community you know our assessed rate for property taxes for for commercial property is 25 percent Wow. Residential is 11%. What are we saying to our business community that we're asking people to come here, attract here, stay here and do business here when we say, yeah, you're great. We love you here. Right. But we're going to hit you a little bit harder than every other industry, every other uh, property tax classification. It's These are all practical things that we can do yeah. to really move the needle economically here. Amen to that. We got just about a minute and a half left here, but let's talk about that for a second. Sedgwick County Commission received what 100, 120 million dollars in COVID relief funding. Uh, yeah, which is just insane amounts of money that the government trying to give it away. Uh, if you were on the county commission right now, what would be the priority and what do you think they should do with that money? Yeah, so I think that we're flush with cash. Now, we do have some challenges in this budget that they're working through right now. We've got to find property tax relief. We, we cannot, in this inflationary environment, with no. people, small business, fixed income individuals, uh, working class, they cannot afford a, an increase in property taxes. And that's mm. what they're going to get because of increases in, in, in uh, property assessments. Sure. Uh, they're going to get a prop. We cannot afford to do that. That's one. Number two is we do have to make some uh, structural uh, investments into the property or into the mental health space here. In this sure. community. We've got to do it because people are reeling. Uh, this is squarely in the purview of Sedgwick County government. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. The diversification of the workforce trying to bring new people in is we see the city all the time trying to expand, trying to find more, more diverse. They've been focused on a lot of the tech stuff. But as you mentioned, I mean, do we need to focus on other industries to start bringing new yeah. people into the area? A thousand percent. I, I think tech is very important because this is a younger workforce that we're hoping to attract to stay here sure. long term. But it's also innovative. And this is where some of the new jobs are coming from. It's not a county purview necessarily economic development. That's the city, but the county does have a play. What we can do is make sure we have the proper tax structure and regulatory structure here sure. uh, in this community to impact and attract business and retain business generationally. There it is. Ryan, how can people find you? RyanBeatty.com. You go to uh, my Facebook page, Beatty for Central County. We're very active there. We create a lot of content. We try to really uh, dialogue with a lot of people in our community. We're having fun, man. We're creating momentum. Like we have important things we're trying to address, and, and we'll get it done here. Hey, I appreciate it. Ryan, it's good to get you in studio, my friend. Let's get you back in here as the election gets closer. Thanks, Andy. I've enjoyed it. Hey, always good time. We'll take a break. Wrap up the show here right around the corner for the last home stretch, last half hour here on Candace Talk here on the Big Talker KQAM. Stay here. Listening to Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM. You are? Oh my, well, welcome aboard then. What the heck took you so long? <laughs> Great to have you along for the ride today. Last half hour on the home stretch here of Kansas Talk on Wichita's Big Talker KQAM. Thanks for hanging out with us today. I still have some barbecue sauce to give away. I got to give that away to get you set for uh, uh, 4th of July weekend. Can you believe it? Halfway through the year of 2022, we are just about wrapped up with the month of June and 4th of July, the most patriotic holiday of the year, just a week away. So I think we have a lot to celebrate this year. 
for 4th of July with some of the decisions that came down over the last couple of days. By the way, thanks again to Ryan Beatty coming on the program, ca- uh, candidate for Sedgwick County Commission District Number 4. What a guy. What a guy. We'll get him on. He's going to be a semi-regular guest on this program. I have a feeling to talk about some of the issues going on when he is a county commissioner for Sedgwick County because we need to get that back. I told you, when I got into town and first moved to Wichita, trying to figure out the world of politics around this area, we had uh, the county commission that was loaded with conservatives. Today, eh, a little wobbly, a little wobbly, a little shaky. So we got to get things cleaned and tightened back up a little bit because we can. Andy, the dynamics changed and there are too many progressives in the expanded city of Wichita. No, that's not the case. And we can just win them over when we have ideas again. We just have to get them to turn out and actually be active. Uh, Richard Ransaw was a great county commissioner. Jim Howell is a wonderful county commissioner. I love it. Uh, Carl Peter John that was on there uh, when we, he was on his county commission, he was fantastic. Uh, Michael O'Donnell, although he had his personal issues, he pressed some pretty conservative stuff. He was a, a great voice on that end. We just kind of, you know, on the back end, he, he had some issues that uh, caused some harm to the local Republican Party. But nonetheless, we had a great leadership for a good while. So can we get that back? I think we can. I would rather have, much rather have someone like Ryan Beatty on the county commission than Lacey Cruz, who goes on the live streams and just starts sobbing and crying at everybody because she's I've always branded Lacey Cruz as kind of our local AOC. She's the radical left wing socialist nut that just passes some really absurd bills. And it's all about the emotional arguments as opposed to commonsensical arguments. So let's try and clean that up a little bit. What do you say? All right. 316-721-8255. Uh, let's get into our next interview, shall we? We sat down just a couple of days ago with a candidate for the third congressional district for the state of Oklahoma, moving back down southern to the southern border here. As we talk frequently, semi-frequently, with Congressman Frank Lucas, the current congressman for the third district of Oklahoma. He's also on the Ag Committee in Washington, D.C., a wonderful guy. Wade Burleson, the Republican challenger, going into the primaries. We sat down with him with just a couple of days ago as well as we continue with our election coverage. It's time to meet the candidate. The government works for us, not the other way around. Elections 2022. I think I'm going to play that clip as much as I possibly can. This is our sit-down with Wade Burleson, Republican candidate in the primary election for the 3rd Congressional District of the great state of Oklahoma. Wade, how are you, my friend? You know, Randy, I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for the opportunity to visit with you. You betcha. It's it's good to talk with you. A lot of things obviously going on in Washington, D.C. that I want to get your thoughts on if you become a congressman down in Oklahoma, plus what's going on in Oklahoma itself. But uh, let's back up a little bit and let's have, for those that may not know your name or know who you are, talk about your background a little bit. What got you into throw your hat in the ring for the race? Absolutely. I tell you, I've been a longtime writer podcaster. Um, I was a pastor for 30 years. I served as president of our Baptist General Convention of Oklahoma, two terms. That's an elected position. My wife has her doctorate from Vanderbilt. Uh, She's the chief nursing officer at our regional medical center in Enid. And I retired from pastoring in January and a couple of very dear friends of mine, Dinesh D'Souza from Houston, Texas, and Charlie Kirk, California said that I should uh, spend my most productive years of life, 60s and 70s, I'm 60 years old, writing and podcasting. I've published nine books, and they convinced me that I could make a living doing it. So we bought a studio, Highway 81 uh, and 412. My wife remodeled it. She's a genius. Uh, She's my best friend. And so I was just going to do that uh, for 20 years. Um, But I was approached to run for Congress in January of this year. I said, no, immediately. I'm not a politician, have no desire to be a politician. Went home and told my wife a couple of days later, 
Randy, my wife, came to me and said, wait, you ought to run. You know the history of our nation, of our state. You don't care what people think about you. You're courageous. You're principled. And every smart man listens to his wife. So I decided to throw my hat in the ring, and I announced February 1st, and it has been an amazing three months. Well, I tell you, it is definitely a different environment up in Washington, D.C., and to uh, pull, throw your hat in the ring for the uh, the realm of politics is definitely a changing course from what you're used to with writing yep. and podcasting and uh, you know, being involved with the church, especially, for sure. But i got to hand it to you. I mean, being involved in church, especially in Oklahoma, is a great place to do that. And mm. it's one of the places, while we see some of the major national issues right now that are ongoing, that this Mid-America region I love so dearly because we really try to hold on to some of those family and traditional values. Oh, you're not kidding. And I'm an eight on the Enneagram, if your listeners know what an eight is or what the Enneagram is. I see the big picture before others see it. And, you know, as president of the convention 15 years ago, I told the Southern Baptist Convention, we've got to track sexual predators, make a public list of those who have offended so that they can't move to another church covering up what they did at a previous church. And it was rejected. Time magazine said it was the most underreported story in 2008. Well, three weeks ago, uh, a four and a half million dollar professional investigation came out and said the Southern Baptist Convention should publish a sexual predator database. And so, Randy, what I say is this. You know, 15 years ago, I told our convention we should do that, and it was rejected. I could have saved $4.5 million and a lot of embarrassment if they'd have just listened to me. And frankly, I'm running for United States Congress because we are facing some major issues, and I think I have the solutions. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I don't stick my finger in the wind and determine whether or not people like me. Uh, I understand what the answers to our problems are, and I'm going to fight for Oklahomans to go to Washington to get things done. We're talking with Wade Burleson, a candidate for the 3rd Congressional District for the state of Oklahoma. Let's talk about some of the issues there in your district, that western portion of Oklahoma, as you guys obviously have a lot of agriculture, agriculture being drastically affected by issues right now between the COVID-19 pandemic, between the trade and exports with Russia and Ukraine, with inflation rates right now, with high input costs. With that sort of thing, what type of focus do you have, and what would you like to do to try and focus on that topic if you get into Washington, D.C.? Well, Randy, that's a huge topic, and this district is massive. Uh, the 3rd Congressional District is half the state of Oklahoma. But here's the deal, Randy. Everybody used Ukraine as an excuse, the Russian war, they call it the Putin war, and so on, all that stuff. Inflation, you know, the greed of oil companies. No, 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 no. Mm -hmm. Our problem is federal government encroachment. Uh, in fact, uh, I'm a fighter. Winston Churchill said, like a man who smiles and fights at the same time. Because I understand history, I know that when federal governments begin to encroach on the liberties of individual citizens, you end up losing your productivity as a nation. I'll give you an example. This, this uh, baby formula crisis, it's absurd. Yeah. The federal government shut down Abbott Foods. It is, it is a problem created by the federal government. So it is with ranching, farming, natural gas, price of oil. Why is it so dadgum high? I'll tell you why. The federal government has shut down production in Oklahoma. They've taken over the lands, made them federal, and said you cannot drill. They've shut down the Keystone Pipeline. Uh, what we've got, Randy, is overregulation. 
by 2,000 alphabet soup agencies. These are unelected bureaucrats at the EPA, USDA, FDA, and they come in with the force of law and overregulate small ranchers and farmers and cattle raisers in the name of equity, and they open up the borders to bring in products from other nations, including South America, and it is a crisis created by our federal government. And the Constitution says Congress alone has the authority of law, and I'm going in to Washington, D.C. to fight against this unconstitutional encroachment by the swamp. Well, it is frustrating because right now it seems like D.C. is doing everything but what needs to be done. As you mentioned, Kansas, Oklahoma, Texas, all great areas where we could be drilling oil, lowering the gas prices by actually putting more into the system with that supply demand that we have. And yet they're doing everything but that and then saying, well, there's nothing we can do about gas prices. Guess you have to deal with five, six dollars a gallon. You're right, Randy. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate. Inflation as well. I mean, we're sitting at eight and a half, eight point six percent inflation. We just saw this week from the Federal Reserve uh, talking about eight point six percent inflation for the month of May. Are we going to see that come down at all? And what can we do to actually get that under control? Yeah, well, and, you know, Randy, I apologize. I'm on a cell phone. By the way, I love the way you talk and the way you think. If I missed that last question, uh, I'm going to take a shot in the dark. I heard you speak of the Federal Reserve. I have a degree in finance and um, um, business administration. That's my background. I'm a crypto nut, decentralized currency. Here's the deal. People do not understand what is the cause of inflation. Contrary to what President Biden says, the cause of inflation is not greed of capitalist corporations. The cause of inflation is big government printing dollars without the gold standard. And when you've got so many dollars in bank accounts on the street, people spending money, prices rise. And and so what can be done? I tell you what, the government is out of control. And when I go to Washington, D.C., I'm not looking for power. I'm not looking for money. I've already signed a term limits agreement. Uh, I'm too old. I'm 60 years old. I don't need the money. I don't need people to like me. I don't need the position, but I am going to Washington to fight for your liberty, for the liberty of your children, your grandchildren, to keep the federal government out of your bank account, out of your business, out of your backyard, and out of your body. So what can be done? You've got to send people to Congress who will fight for your liberty. Yeah, last couple questions before we let you go, and I appreciate the time. Let's talk about some issues that uh, some of the laws that are in the state of Oklahoma and battling between federalism, the state and federal government uh, tug of war that we always seem to see. But with the issue right now, as we try to crack down on quote-unquote gun laws and expanding gun laws across the nation, while we're looking at the U.S. Supreme Court regarding abortion issues right now, Oklahoma being one of the first states to come out and say, hey, you know, you guys are extremely pro-Second Amendment with some of the best pro-Second Amendment laws in the country at the statewide level. You guys have already come down with laws saying that you want to ban abortion as soon as you have the ability if Roe v. Wade is overturned. You have the marijuana issue in Oklahoma as well. Oklahoma has been kind of a trend setter on expressing states' rights. Is that something that needs to be reemphasized at the federal level? Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. 14th Amendment. The mm. states, uh, according to the Constitution, have every single authority and right to establish laws that are not specifically delineated within the United States Constitution. Um, I've been endorsed by the Oklahoma Second Amendment Association. Uh, I'm friends with uh, Senator Nathan Dom, 
who's running for uh, Senate, United States Senate. He's the one who pushed through the bills for uh, to, to ban abortion. Uh, here's the deal. I'm a constitutional conservative. The Constitution is the rule of law. And you mentioned, you mentioned the marijuana plants in Oklahoma. This, I promise you, I will do everything within my power to get them out of Oklahoma. What we've got is 300,000 acres of prime farmland in northern Oklahoma controlled by the Chinese Communist Party. And one of the first bills that I will author when I get into Congress is a bill that will give them 60 days, the CCP, 60 days to sell that land or it will be seized by the state of Oklahoma and sold to the highest bidder. You know, I don't know, Randy, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm a historian. I write books about history. Yeah. Uh, but it almost looks as if it's an intentional takedown of our government. And we've got to have congressmen who will fight for liberty. And I'm going to Washington, D.C. to fight for your liberty. I'm glad you mentioned the land that's owned by the Chinese government in the state of Oklahoma because they really own more land in Oklahoma than really, I, at least that I know of, anywhere else. What is the purpose of that? What are they trying to do, and why would they target places like Oklahoma to buy vast amounts of land? That doesn't make any sense to me. Well, i tell you what. I'll, I'll tell you this, and I hope your listeners research it. Don't take my word for it. Uh, my wife has her doctorate from Vanderbilt in nursing. I'm a researcher by avocation. She's a researcher by occupation. Uh, I met her when she was living in Hong Kong. We've been to China many times. We love the Chinese people and their culture. I hate the Chinese Communist Party. It is their stated intention to rule the world by the year 2049, the 100th anniversary of the Mao Revolution. You ask the question, why would they take over prime farmland? I'll tell you why. The only way you can take down a nation that stands in your way of world domination is by controlling their farmland. And, and Randy, I'm telling you, this is my cell number. You can call me anytime. I think I can win this race, and I think I will. You call me anytime you want. China wants to take out the United States of America. I call it the great deflect. Everybody's talking about Russia, Russia, Ukraine, Ukraine. No, no, it's China. And I'm telling you, they control the farmland. Now, you said they control more farmland than anywhere in the United States. No, uh, we're third. Uh, I'll tell you exactly where they control it. I mean, I'm a, I'm a researcher. Border of Texas, number one. New York, number two. We are number three, northwest Oklahoma. Chicago, that area is number four. And the West Coast is number five. Wow. And, uh, yeah, I know. I'm just telling you, here's the deal. Winston Churchill kept warning people of, uh, about Adolf Hitler, and they laughed at him. <laughs> Neville Chamberlain signed a peace treaty. They laughed at Churchill. And then when... Adolf Hitler invaded Poland, September 1, 1939. Winston Churchill became prime minister. Why? Because he saw the problem before anybody else did. I'm telling you, China is our problem. Why would they control our lands? They want to take down the United States of America. And I will fight that tooth and toenail, and that's why I'm going to Congress. It is Wade Burleson, candidate for the 3rd Congressional District for the great state of Oklahoma. Find him online, BurlesonForCongress.com is the website. Wade, we appreciate the time, my friend. Hey, Good you're welcome, with the Randy. Campaign. Let's get you back on again soon. All right. Hey, we'll do it. God bless you. Thank you for what you're doing. There it is. That was Wade Burleson, candidate for the 3rd District of the state of Oklahoma. Interesting conversation there. Going up in the primary challenge against the current congressman, Frank Lucas, from the 3rd District, which we've had on the program as well. And we'll get him back on the show a little bit later as well. Getting closer to election season, I know you're pumped up. Obviously, the last couple of days have kind of uh, refueled the fires as well. And the activism begins all over the country. Are you ready?
for this to happen. We'll take a break, wrap up the program today for a Saturday. Your thoughts the last couple of minutes at 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK. I want to get your thoughts on all the issues from the last two days as we wrap up the program right here on Candace Talk, here on the Big Talker KQAM. Stay here. Randy Hoosier on <laughs> KQAM. into the program just a few minutes left here of the show wrapping up for a saturday make sure to stay tuned in next week we have a laundry list of guests to get to all next week going into the national broadcast of our voice of reason we are will not be here live next saturday as it is fourth of july weekend so we will not be here just an fyi let's go to the phones what do you say 316-721-8255 good morning who's this hey andy sean here it's mr sean how are you sir Oh, fine, man. I'm having my coffee, and I'm doing it for the children. You're doing it. That's right. That's what it is, trying to get the weekend started. I tell you what, you got to be celebrating over the last couple of days with some big announcements, right? Well, buddy, this is another prediction that came true Mm, that I made. That's right. Yeah, back in in 2017, I told some friends after Trump got elected uh, or got got inaugurated that uh, in his first term, he'd get three— he would get three conservative justices on the court, and uh, Ginsburg wouldn't survive his first first uh, term in office. And that's a prediction almost didn't come true because uh, you know she hung on to the almost the very end. But uh, and then um, uh, I predicted also that we would see the end of abortion, or at least Roe v. Wade overturned in his first or second term, probably his second term. Now, granted, he's not in the not in the uh, uh, White House right now, but uh, uh, well, it would have uh, been impossible uh, unless he did that. Here we are, year and a half, uh, year and a half into his what should have been his second term, and Roe v. Wade's been overturned. Yeah. And if you'll remember, also a few years ago on your morning show, I predicted that Trump would win re-election uh, uh, by seventy million or more votes probably even 80 million and you know even though i believe uh the election was stolen look how many votes he got you know 74 75 million votes that's more votes i've ever seen a candidate get in my lifetime yeah. it's statistically possible for that many people though to have voted in the election i don't believe what's his name got 81 million or 80 to 81 million legitimate votes but nonetheless so you know those my, my theorem was a bunch of predictions that I made about what I thought might happen in the future, not what would, because I don't know the future. But it's just another example, you know. So well, I you're right. Had- I tell you, uh, I, you're absolutely right. I mean, what Donald Trump did, even though obviously people didn't like his personality, people didn't like him as a person, which, you know, I completely get it. I mean, he's very brass. He's very off-putting for many individuals. Totally get it. The ego-driven thing drives people nuts. But what he did to... 
uh, set the stage for the future there by nominating with three different, two, three different Supreme Court justices. This is what we're starting to see now. We've seen the protection of the Second Amendment. We see the reversal of Roe v. Wade, which has been decades of disaster at the federal level and bringing that back down to the statewide levels. And there's more, by the way, more opinions coming out from the Supreme Court next week where I have a very good uh, 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 a very good idea of how we're going to rule on some other issues coming out early next week. Yeah, well, we'll we'll uh we'll wait and see. I, I hope uh, some more good decisions come down because it's about time the Supreme Court, you know, had a majority of justices exercising common sense. And you know, I'm a big fan of Clarence Thomas. Yeah. And uh, also, I want to let you know that barbecue sauce, fantastic. Oh, good, good. I'm glad you like it. I'm glad you like it. Well, I was going to give some away today, so I tell you what, we may have some more here for you as well. But you're right. Now, here's the thing. Uh, the other side of the aisle, they're not liking these Supreme Court decisions, obviously. So what has Maxine Waters done to say she's literally said to hell with the Supreme Court, not wanting to abide by the Supreme Court as well? Also, they're not going to be pushing to try to expand the Supreme Court because, like you said, Clarence Thomas and some of those conservatives, we can't have them be the majority on there. We need to override them by just expanding it and putting 10 more individuals on there. So, Sean, I appreciate it, my friend. We are out of time, but that does it for us today on another Saturday. Back at it on Monday with more Supreme Court rulings coming out. We'll talk about those on our national broadcast on Saturday. Have a great 4th of July weekend. We'll be back the week after that, but we'll talk before then here on the radio. Until then, this is Candace Talk. I'm Andy Hoosier right here on Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. Have a great weekend. Stay cool.